Lizzie O'Gill. So if we aim to just maybe speak for 45 minutes, or maybe 50 with a bit of editing. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Jade Halliwell. So I'd take my head in up and I'd sing along to Whitney Houston, I thought this is it. <laughs> and you're listening to Do You Know Any Oasis? A podcast about two women trying to make an independent career in the music industry. Uh, I know you write your own songs and everything, love, and, and they're good and everything, but uh, do you know any Oasis? <laughs> <laughs> podcast time! Episode one. Here we are. Lot of planning to get here, but we're finally here. I feel like we've talked about this for a long time. Very long time, and now it's here... Coming to life. <laughs> Do you know any oasis? <laughs> I feel like there's so much explanation needed <laughs> yes. in why we've called it that, but hopefully it will all start to make sense. Yeah. So um, we'll share a lot of stories and such throughout the podcast, uh, especially this episode, and give you a little bit of a background about us both, uh, who we are, what we do, and why the podcast is called Do You Know Any Oasis? <laughs> So what? So why did we want to do this podcast? So I feel like we're both uh, at a stage in our careers right now where the fun, exciting stuff is happening. Yeah. Um, but we both started out as kids. Yeah. So we've got a lot of experience in music from all levels, working our way up from, you know, singing at your auntie's wedding. <laughs> I think it's kind of when, because I remember when I first met you and I saw you playing a festival and, and you were quite high up in the bill. You were like nine o'clock on a Friday. Just had a panic attack. You, well, again, this is what people don't <laughs> see. We're going to get into that. But I was very much just coming into the scene, which again, we're, we're going to talk about sort of the scene, the UK country music yeah. scene. Um, but I just, I was in awe of you. And yeah. then I was like, oh, I just want to be friends with this woman. <laughs> and it was only when we started talking and I realised we had very similar backgrounds and we did, we came up through the yeah. pubs and clubs and I just thought that, I think that's why we get on so well. Definitely. We've done the whole kind of pay your dues. We've walked the boards, as they say. Um, yeah. And I think for a lot of people that, you know, they'll come and see you and they see you playing a headline show or they see you doing all these amazing things. They actually don't realise that we've where been it started. where yeah. where it started what we've been doing and um that's why we just thought we talk about it all the time and we're always giggling about it so we thought yeah. we'll uh we'll talk we'll you know we'll do a podcast we want to talk about the music industry we want to talk about what we're doing in it but where where it all started yeah where it came absolutely. from absolutely so my first kind of experience with music was i was about nine ten years old went on a family holiday to talkie big up talkie <laughs> um and my mum had said, oh, yeah, and there's a pub and they'll do karaoke and we'll go for tea then. You'll be able to sing karaoke if you want to And I thought, this is it. This is the moment. So <laughs> I used to to <laughs> I ain't messing around like this is it. So I used to practice every night. I had this little purple karaoke machine with cassettes. Of course you did. Yeah, it was the 90s. Did it flash? <laughs> Unfortunately not. But it's all right because I used to just flip my light on and off. <laughs> So I'd set my teddies up and I'd just sing along to Whitney Houston. I thought, this is it. Went to karaoke, sang Greatest Love of All, very nasal and needed my aranoids removing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then they recorded it on cassette. Wow. Came back and I started, uh, I, I made friends with someone who owned a studio, uh, like locally, where you could go in and record your favourite songs on a CD. Wow. So I made my first album, Dreaming. <laughs> Because, of course, I put Dreaming by Selena on there. 
I was like, this is me dreaming of being a star. Took me ages. I used to sell it to like my form tutor and stuff in year seven. I was like, got a CD for sale if you want one. So when, when people say like, oh, how long have you wanted to be a singer? Was there any influence or did you always know you could sing? Was it, or did you just realise you could do it one day? I think I had two loves and they kind of came together later in life. So up until then, I always wanted to be an author when I was younger. Loved Eenie Blyton. Yeah. I was obsessed with storytelling and reading writing. quite young. Yeah. yeah. My mum used to read to me every single night. And I can see me now like begging her like, one more chapter, just one more chapter. <laughs> see, it's like looking in a mirror. Yeah. Because for me, it was books and literature and, and esca- that escapism. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, I loved like the faraway tree and stuff like, you know. Absolutely. Reality's a bit, Mrs. Pepperpot. <laughs> loved it. <laughs> for me, it was Raoul Dahl. Yeah, I love I mean, Roald they're trying Dahl. to censor his books these days. I'm like, do not Stop mess it. with Raoul. We had one of his, uh, <laughs> oh God, what was his book called? And it was like... Um, Revolting Rhymes. Yes. Loved it. Loved it. So good. <laughs> um, so I used to read all the time. And then when I was about eight and I, I was singing in the bedroom and stuff, but it wasn't until Fateful Karaoke and Talkie <laughs> that I was like, oh, actually, I could do this as like a thing. I could be a singer. Um, and because people were like, oh, you've got a nice voice actually for a kid. <laughs> so <laughs> I kind of got more into the singing. And then it wasn't until I was like, I used to write a little bit, but like, oh, no, this is ever good enough. Until I was like 19, taught myself to learn, the, to, learn to play the guitar and started writing songs. So, like, the writing came back into my music yeah. as I got into, like, so was So, was there, like, an influence in your family? Was that there the a guitar in the house, or did you actively have to go and... Yeah, I actively bought one. I did, um... I mean, we're talking... So, I used to do loads of competitions. <laughs> you know what I mean? Do you do them? Little comps. And when you're on holiday? <laughs> oh, no, I'm, like, local, like... Oh, see, we didn't really... We had one when I was 16, and it was called On Your Mics. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> and um, I kind of went into it as a bit of an underdog. Um, so I was only 16 years old and I won it. And the prize was to go down to London and go to all these record labels and get wow. like feedback. And we got to shoot a video, which I shot in Love a graveyard. <laughs> Where I need to see it, where is this video? <laughs> it will never see the light of day. <laughs> but it was like such a big eye opener for like the industry. Because I was just yeah. like a small you know, small town girl yeah. growing up in Derby. And then suddenly we were on a train. Me and my dad uh, paid to go down to London. We went to Virgin, yeah. we went to Sony. And I think um, they'd the just taken on Katie Tunstall and it was when ah, Black Horse yeah. and the Cherry Tree was really big. And they were really pushing the girls with guitars agenda. Yeah. So I was really super focused in that sort of, right, keep writing, keep playing my yeah. guitar. Um, and then it was weird because after that, you just get on the train and you come home and it's all over. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, but I want to be in London and I, yeah. I want to stay down there. But yeah, competitions, they just, they were oh, a thing. I did loads. <laughs> so I did, um, I won um, the D Factor, that where Jewsbury's got talent, basically. So I won a prize where I got to play at the Mailers. Have you ever been to like Bradford Mailer? No. With these huge festivals on like like cultural festivals and I mean full of like food and nice. entertainment and stuff and I got um a guy called Raj Palmer who is incredible and he run like Sunrise Studios so he oh. got a team of like backing dancers from it you know what? I've got the DVDs <laughs> I'm gonna dig it out for you somewhere <laughs> I start off with uh Breathless so it comes in, go on, go on, <laughs> leave me breathless. <laughs> I appear, that, I'm on someone's on shoulders. Right there. Oh, there's no walking, I, I went on two fellas' shoulders. <laughs> they turn around me, I was like, you know what Peter Kay does that thing where he uses the song, he's like, <gasps> that went me, turning around on shoulders. And how old were you? About 16. So I won that, that was great. And then... 
I won the Whist Factor, which were pub near us, Whistler, did a competition. You went every wow. Thursday. So I won that one. That was great. And then my me, me big win, my big win, I won Yorkshire's Got Talent. Wow. Um, so this were, um, I mean, it's not there anymore, but the, <laughs> the place in Batley was Frontier, it was called then, Batley Variety Club. And that ran for weeks. It went on and on to a big final. And all my yeah. mates came, they made jade t-shirts, had banners and stuff. I won, I won a grand. Wow. 18. That's I won made a lot. up. Yeah, I won a grand. I won made up. Um, and I got like put on calendar TV and stuff for my comp win. A big moment for me. And then I made friends that night with the DJ called Scott Page. And he works in dance music. So he came to me and was like, I'd love you to be a vocalist on a thing. So I was on the Clubland Smashed album. Age wow. 18. Yeah. I'm learning so much. <laughs> <laughs> Dabbled in a bit of clubland because um, I think as well, like when you when you're that sort of age and you you figure out that you you want to be a singer, you'll literally try anything. Oh, I and there's no like. I always find it really funny that when you're 16 and you leave school, people are like, pick a career. Yeah. Pick, I'm 16. Yeah. <laughs> well, Child. I'm, supposed to, I'm supposed to know what I want to do till I'm 67 or 70, you know, no. retiring age. I just think it's such a figuring everything out age. And yeah. even though I knew I loved music and I'd grown up listening to a lot of country music, but old traditional, but I 100% wanted to be a pop star. Yeah. Like I was listening to the Spice Girls, Steps. Yeah. And I like, you know, like Holly Valance knew every move. Oh, and it's gosh, like, yeah. when I used to think about the shows I would do, it wasn't what I'm actually doing now. Yeah, it was like the big arenas, the little mix kind yeah. of vibe, um, and I just think I th even with dance music, I've dabbled in it a little bit. You know, yeah. you lend your vocals to it and stuff, but there's just so much figuring, figuring yeah, yourself and like out, finding who you are. I think as an artist, and like they say that they're finding your voice, but it generally isn't like finding like what's my genre, what's my niche, where are my strengths, what writing style, like how do I write songs? Because how I write songs wouldn't, you know, I couldn't go and release a bloody reggae album with the way I write. How old, like, how old were you when you wrote your first song? Well, <laughs> <laughs> and can we hear it? <laughs> my my actual first song that was like, right, I'm going to play this out. I was late on like 19, but I was writing for years before then. None of it any good. Me and my cousin used to write together after school and I've still got it at home, like my little lyric book that I made out of like taking A4 paper, <laughs> folding it in half and stapling it. And then we'd write these really bad songs in. Um, but now I look really inappropriate. Yeah. You know, we had one. I don't fucking even sing on this, but it was like, <laughs> it happened on the third <laughs> happened on the third floor of the hotel. I was pretty drunk and I knew he could tell. And then I'd come in like, oh yeah, baby. <laughs> At about twelve, what were I doing? Singing about being drunk this, in a hotel. This was the influence that we had though. Yeah. Because you listen to like Britney. Spice Girls, <laughs> two become one. Get a little bit close, put it on. <laughs> If that's not a condom reference, I don't know what is. <laughs> Listen, I'm all about safe play. But I was singing that at 14. <laughs> in it? Yeah, definitely. Like the songs we were writing were very inappropriate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I probably didn't actually start thinking, oh, maybe I could do this. You know what it was really? I did, like I say, so I was 18. I did the dance track for Clubland Smash. And it was basically a song. Where can we get this record? Got it all, we'll play it. <laughs> it was a mashup between One Republic Apologise. Yeah. And this song they'd written called believe me so it'd be like it's too late to apologize do, 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 believe me and when it came out we had a little micro and we all used to drive around battle with it on full blast Blasted. lights my daughter <laughs> <laughs> and i remember thinking oh i wonder if i could write something like that so in my head i was thinking write something for that sort of yeah. thing um, and i started writing and it, i was listening to loads of country music so i loved it so naturally what came out of me was not a dance song but a country song <laughs> do you know it's so funny like i 
I think my first proper song that I can actually like put my name to, I was 15 and it was for my music GCSE. But I've been writing for years before that and it was stuff that we like did in the playground and I'm sure like you form little bands little girl bands and it was like like, I'll write some songs and one of them (laughs) was called Reach for the Stars and it was like you gotta reach for the stars you gotta grab them and not let go (laughs) and we had all these movements right (laughs) and then this is how delusional I was at like 14 when S Club 7 brought out Reach for the Stars I was like they have had me (laughs) They have ripped me right off. I remember crying, coming home and being like, they've had my song. I'm like, what do you think? They came to Harrington Primary and, and just like listened to doing it in the playground. But I was so upset. Yeah. And I was like, they've proper You could, have, you could have a, a lawsuit on so Let's have it right. It's just like when Ed, Ed Sheeran ripped me off the telephone. He did in a big way. <laughs> I can't deal when Ed Sheeran dropped that song my mum were like Phew. do you think he's her telephone like do I think Ed Sheeran biggest artist <laughs> in the planet has heard Jade from back you know what I could say probably not my mum were like it's so, I think he has it's really hard though because you'll write a song and you think have I, have I ripped this off <laughs> I, I voice noted you didn't I I was wrote, writing last summer and I went please I think I've ripped Taylor Swift off here and you were like yes you have immediately <laughs> You've definitely ripped off that chord progression. Definitely. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, what's nice, and I think, again, why we were writing from really young. We both love literature. Mm. We love English. We're big readers, aren't we? Um, but the irony is we actually didn't get to sing our own songs until very recently. Yeah. Cover I, girls, weren't cover we? Cover girl, put the bass... Yeah. Um, yeah, like I say, I, I, my first gig was at my local rugby club, like I say, singing covers. I was a little dot on the pitch while the team warmed up singing Black Velvet and stuff Big like song. that mm, I know <laughs> listen I was a ballsy kid <laughs> you're a ballsy woman let me tell you. and then they upgraded me and I used to get to sing on the truck at the back while they were selling pie and peas at end up I feel like singing on the back of a truck is a rite of passage oh aye and all new artists up and coming it should be like like a, a checklist yeah but have you been on back of truck have you got changed in a disabled toilet yeah <laughs> Have you been on truck? Have you sung on the back of a truck? Have you had to pause your set for some kind of raffle or bingo? <laughs> have you won the bingo and been dog looked by everyone in the club because the turns come oh, in and won the bingo? You, again, the turn. That is such a northern thing. I obviously I'm from the Midlands, and it was only when I started giving up gigging up here, and they're like, "Are you the turn? It's turn, isn't it? Yeah, but it's, are, you, are you the turn? Do you know where that turn. comes from? I've no idea. If anyone knows, please let, let us know. know. Where's that from? The turn. Because I used to think people were like, like are, you, are, you, are you doing a turn? I was like, stripping? Not, not no. Prostitute, man. <laughs> we had to sing Patsy Cline. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, for me, it was like music was always just always going to be what I did. My dad was a yeah. singer and I, I grew up going to um, with him to gigs. So literally from the age of four or five. Yeah. And I was very clear. I wanted to be my dad. I wanted to do oh. what he was done. Um, and it was like, he was very much like clubland pubs, but he was so popular, so admired because that's why I wrote this. I wrote a song about him called Local Man Star. I grew up watching him be a celebrity because he was like, everyone knew him. And where we used to... Um, he used to sing on the East Coast, so Mablethorpe, Louth yeah. and Skegness. And he'd go back season after season and people would remember him. He was a celeb. Oh, and that I was like that. what I aspired yeah. for. And then 
we were laughing about it, weren't we? Saying you become like small town famous. Yeah. So because I was gigging like in and around Derby and Nottingham and stuff like that, you, you start to become known as a singer and become yeah. known as, you know, you start to get a few followers on Facebook. And yeah. It's, and it's, for a long time, like that was enough. Yeah. I was like, I'm singing, I'm, I'm making a living, you know, mm. like I can pay my own bills and stuff. But there's always something deep rooted where you remember as a kid, like doing those play, playground routines. Yeah. I do still want to be the Spice Girls. I yeah. do still want to be Little Mix, you know. Yeah. And um, I suppose that's where cover gigs then suddenly were like, this isn't enough anymore. I want to do my own songs. But yeah. it's, it's hard to go from A to B. Hard to oh, go gosh, from having yeah. a pretty reliable job you know doing your yep. gigs and, and you go out and you can book a year in advance some clubs are booking mm -hmm. to say and actually I'm going to try and sing my own music where there's no money in it <laughs> nobody knows it and um yeah it's, it's hard isn't it to sort of cross that line yeah definitely I um I remember like the first time I wrote a song I was I took it to um Pete just like sound and stuff I've known him since because he was a guy who had the studio I went to yeah I was like I've written a song and he's like, all right, and play it for me. And I remember that I did it to my mum as well. I was like, all right, I'll play it, but close your eyes, don't look at me. <laughs> don't look at me while I sing it for you. And it was called Save Me, because uh, I worked at hospital as a cleaner, and I bloody hated it. <laughs> so my first song I wrote was called Save, Save Me. me. <laughs> From this life. <laughs> and I played it. You know what? That's a bit, uh, a bit of a lie, a bit of a stretch. I didn't hate the job. It just wasn't for me. I love the people, love the patients. Like, I'm a social person. I like people. So yeah. I liked just chatting to people all the time. But then obviously that, I, I won't get enough work done because I'm chatting to people all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Loves a chat. Loves a chat. Um, yeah, so I used to get into trouble every now and then for that. Um, and I just, it just, like I say, it just wasn't enough. It was just a job with a wage and stuff. So I really wanted to be doing music. And I played that song and it was like, oh, you've got to record it. And that was kind of the thing of like, you think? And I was like, maybe I should try write another one to play and another one. And like some of those early songs were dreadful. Like some of them were like six minutes long. Like no one part wants of that. the process. Yeah. My dad used to say to me, because again, my songs were like four or five minutes, yeah. political epics yeah. at 15. He's like, you're not Bob Dylan. Yeah, I'd say I have like a song about abuse, a song about drugs. Like, I chill wrote a song out. about cocaine. I was like sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> I watched too. I watched too many Tarantino films. But um, yeah, the, I love that the writing starts young and you grow with it. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then that that saved me. I ended up putting it on the first album I released back in twenty fifteen. Something. The yeah, first album. The first album. <laughs> well, actually, it was. A, I did a bit of a cheeky thing. So basically, I did an EP. Yeah. Urban life, country dreams. No, country heart. <laughs> Urban life, country heart. No. Lives in a town, wants to be in a field. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I did five songs on there. Went to Nashville, took loads with me. I made them up myself. I bought a printer where you could print onto CD and I would duplicate the CDs. Then I'd print my artwork and I cut them all to the size. I put them in my little plastic wallets, stick my CDs in. Went to Nashville the first time, 2012. I said to him, I was like, I'm packing my CDs. Packing my CDs with me. <laughs> what I thought I was going to do, I don't know. Stuck them all in. So I'm like 21 by this point because I could drink. Stuck them all in my case. And I've got like videos on. I bought a flip cam. <laughs> That's because <laughs> phone quality wasn't great back when I was 21. No. A little flip cam and I've got videos of me and Emily. I'm like, morning, morning. If you look over there, there it is. <laughs> BMI. <laughs> 
and like zooming in and she's like holding up my EP for me. And I did some like songwriters nights, like open mic. Like I don't know what, I had no business doing it, but I was doing it. And I'd take my EPs and be like, please take a free EP and like hand them out to punters. Over Do you know, it's, it is honestly, it's so refreshing hearing that I wasn't the only kid. <laughs> the only weirdo. <laughs> Printing my own CDs. I had a photo shoot at a local country park, which my sister did. <laughs> And there's like, I just, oh, look, these trees look a bit sinister. Yeah. And I'm wearing like a green dress. Of course, it's green. Yeah. And I'm like looking a bit moody in front of the trees. I've still got this, this photo shoot. And um, yeah, printed off all the CDs. And I remember I got, I'd, I'd written Mr. Cash when I was 18, which is a song I wrote about Johnny Cash. Because yeah. he was such a like big inspiration. Wrote him this song and I sent it. This was when the internet was just starting to get much more accessible. So I sent it to um, a USA radio station called cash.com online radio but it was all things johnny cash yeah. so i sent it to them and they loved it and they were like look we host an annual birthday bash for johnny cash it's at the fender guitar museum in corona los angeles and we invite you to come and perform that song stop it and it's like we invite you like you've got to pay for yourself yeah we invite you so at i was your like saying to mum and dad like <laughs> this is like the biggest thing that might ever happen to me we need to go so we, we made it all happen me my husband Aww. lloyd we'd only been together a couple of years um, my mum and dad flew out to LA and I, I got all these CDs, like printed them. And they were just like, you know, like the plastic wallets. That's what matter, you'd fold it over. You fold like, it over. Do this so it stayed folded. <laughs> and I remember my dad. And I have to, I unfortunately have to speak about my dad in the past tense because he passed away three years ago. But he was so, he was certain this was my break. And I remember playing him, <laughs> playing him the CD in the car and he went, you'll not be coming home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He was so sure. He went, you'll not, be, they'll not, you'll not be coming home. You'll not be coming home from LA. This was it. So we went and it was a really great day. We did the show and everything. But yeah. then you do, we flew home. Yeah. And it was like, it was it was a bit of a, a you know, kick in the teeth. You yeah. think, oh, it's okay. So, but you know, I was a blooming like 19, 20 year old yeah. rocking up with like a printed out CD, which yeah. I've made myself. <laughs> you know, not, it wasn't even like nice paper. It was just printed. I yeah. print lines through it. <laughs> and uh, but this is you know when you see people like Taylor Swift yeah. and like you know her family moved her to Nashville yeah. at fourteen and like you think had I been given that oh, yeah. opportunity but no I was literally like printing my own CDs. Do you remember you used yeah. to print the CD sticker and you had to get it perfectly lined up with the CD, which <laughs> so you could buy. Oh, you could yeah, the, and then the you'd paper stick it on. stickers for CDs. Yeah, so you'd get all your like you print off like yeah. twenty CDs and then you'd have to. Peel the peel the back of the CD yeah. and you'd have to stick it on with perfect yeah. precision. Like I said, I, I made a, I made a serious investment into my music and I bought a printer where you pulled out a tray, you put your blank CD on, you shoved it in, oh, it printed direct to disc, you pulled it out. We didn't get Give a computer. It five seconds to dry. No. I, bought, I bought it myself years years I got out of it and then it finally gave up the ghost. We didn't get a computer till I was about twenty four. <laughs> Honestly, we were we were so behind. <laughs> so behind but yeah good to i feel like this is when we talk about like coming up through the ranks yeah i think because we literally did that yeah, yeah and you know i used to go to london with with a bag full of cds and yeah. I'd, I'd, get, I'd google where all the big record labels were and i'd leave them with reception thinking oh yeah the person on reception cares enough about yeah. my career that they're gonna go up <laughs> gonna to the 28th floor to get hand, hand that into a and r it's like just, you're saying it's all that it all happens i mean you should go back home yeah just chill just chill. Just like wait for your next happened. cover gig at the Dog and Dog. Yeah. And wait. When I had, um, so for anyone who don't know, I had a video go viral in 2017. I was out on a night out in Leeds, sang with a busker in a song that was 
way, 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 way off key. <laughs> and um, basically the video went viral, got like over 25 million views and everything started happening at once. Like I had calls for radio, I was doing look off interviews and people were requesting me for gigs and my diary were fitting up. I couldn't keep up with my messages and my tags and stuff. And then I got this manager get interested in me big time manager based out in London who was like I want you down on a train tomorrow to London I've got meetings for you I was taken to record labels and talking about booking agents and publishing houses and I was like oh my god I can see me now crying at fireplace and I'm going <laughs> but it's finally happening it's happening it's, it's happening. all happening it's happening <laughs> and he was like I think you know like I want to put you on a train I want you know work with me and like all this stuff around. and everything was going really well quit my job I was like I don't need the safety of my full time wage I am balls in I'm doing it I'm going to go into music full time did that and then um, within a few weeks it just didn't work out and I was like oh god I've got no money and no wages now <laughs> touch wood it was for the best that still managed to be full-time in music ever since that day I walked out of my job I say walked out like it's dramatic I didn't I ended in a notice and worked about a month's period but you know there's always moments though isn't there because I mean I'm 35 now and I'd say I've been seriously doing this since since I left school yeah which I know will probably seem young to a lot of people but I was gigging every weekend at 16 yeah I wasn't even old enough to be in the pubs I was working in yeah. and then at 18 not only did I leave home but I, I left the country I moved to Lanzarote where just by chance on, on a holiday the year previous I'd got up and sang in an Irish bar and the owner of the bar said look if you ever want work it's here for you like we, yeah. will, we will give you five nights a week so when I finished college I was like well I'm gonna go and earn some money I'm gonna go and make my dreams happen yeah. so it was like doing all these gigs and everything and then something would happen like I got um I, you know you win a competition or something or then I got the Johnny Cash thing happened yeah. and I'm suddenly I'm on a plane to LA yeah and then um I got signed by a very very small independent label and I was like this is a record deal yeah. I have been signed but unfortunately nothing ever happened with it yeah. we, we did some press stuff we did some photos and recorded a bit of music but they didn't have the capacity mm. to take, take me anywhere yeah. and I I didn't have the experience or the tenacity to to push the agenda you know yeah and and again, it's like you, you you think to yourself, this is it. It's yeah. happening. It's happening. And then it doesn't. Yeah. And like, you, wow. I feel like every single time you have to come back from that. Yeah. You definitely. become a little bit more jaded. You learn yeah. a little bit more and you become a little bit more savvy that the business is actually very cutthroat. Yeah. And even now, like great things are happening yeah. now, you know, nearly 20 years on. But I will still never say those words. It's happening. Yeah. Other people say it to me. Yeah. We're oh, doing really well, yeah. aren't you? It's, it's all like, happening. Do like, all right. Don't jinx it. Please yeah. don't jinx it because we have been here before. <laughs> <laughs> so like you said, people say, oh, it's happening, it's happening. But it kind of feels like things are taking a turn now. Like we're well established, I think, within the country music genre here in the UK. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, if you're listening and you don't know there's a country scene, there is. <laughs> well, that was me. And th for me, the massive turning point in everything of years and years of, of feeling what was like scrabbling around in the dark. Suddenly when I found out about this country scene, it was like big lights on. Bang. Yeah. These are my people. This is where I feel comfortable. Because even though I'd kind of experimented with pop and I'd even done an album um Gosh, I think it was back in 2012. And it was quite um, alternative. It was quite rocky. Mm -hmm. It was quite indie. Um, and I didn't really have a genre. I've always just sort of been a singer-songwriter. Yeah. I, like, I like 
influences from all kinds of music but country was so strong because of my dad mm. and growing up with those voices and those that kind of style of storytelling um, and I actually played a lot of country music clubs so it was a great way for me to earn money and still sing in a genre that I loved yeah. and somebody just happened to mention um sort of that there was a bit of a scene I had no clue how to get into it or how yeah. to make the jump and then it was a chance encounter that I worked with a band and somebody knew a guy called Gary Quinn who yeah. is now a great friend of ours mm-hmm. and he um, is obviously a, um, a co-founder of Buckle and Boots Festival based in Manchester which is an absolute champion festival for UK country music yeah and he was putting a um a few supports together for an american guy called phil vassar and he was coming over to the uk and they needed a um artist to do the support slot up in glasgow so gary reached out and said would you be interested i was like look this might be my in you know i went and did it and then that was kind of like the start of my journey because that then led to me playing the british country music association spotlight stage at buckland boots um the year after that they gave me a slot at the festival i went on to start getting nominated for newcomer awards at the british country music awards and it was just a steady progression but i I was like right this is my place this is where i belong and even now i will always quite publicly say i'm not just country yeah but it's such a big part of my style and I'm so comfortable and happy and at peace in this genre um but it's amazing to think I went so long and had no idea about it yeah it's crazy I mean really like obviously like you say there's been like the country music club scene for many many years way before you know we were born oh gosh (laughs) Um, yeah but the original scene is still kind of in its infancy um so 2015, I released that album, Secrets. And again, like, it was a bit country-influenced because that's what I was listening to all the time. I'd discovered country music through Taylor Swift and Lady Antebellum, Kelly Pickler. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I love this. I love the storytelling element. Um, and it was influencing the way I wrote. And I always used to get told, like, oh, God, you you got a really fast wobble in your voice. What's that? And it was my vibrato, vibrato. was naturally really fast, which is like a, a country element um so I naturally just kind of fell into that genre um and then 2015 I started seeing that gigs were popping up at Gulliver's and you know it's so funny because like you say how things work out and come full circle and you meet people so this gig was put on by some W21 Music who obviously you work very closely with now yeah um so Pete was putting on these gigs with (laughs) a guy called Luke, who was in a duo called Luke and Mel, who is now my fiance. <laughs> Just keeping it in the family, I aren't we? Weird. <laughs> and, um, and I used to pester him. I see you doing gigs at Gulliver's. I'd love to come. It was the only gig I could find anywhere near me. So it was in Manchester and I'm obviously based near Leeds. I was like, I see you doing these gigs at Gulliver's. Like, I'd love to play. Like, is there any slots? And he'd be like, oh, sorry, it's fully booked. I'd be like, it's fine. I'll come anyway. I'd buy a ticket. I'd get the train to Manchester. I'd go to the gig. I'd get there early so I could hassle him a little bit. I'd stick around to getting on some more at the end of the show. Like, I'd love to play your next one. You know, if you're looking for someone for the next one. I probably spent about six months, maybe longer, every month. Have you got anyone for this lineup? Can I get on this lineup? And that's it, a tenacity yeah. that, that gets you places. Yeah. And I love that you were like a dog with a bone. Honestly, I was like, this is the way I'm going to get in. This is my in. And then he finally, I, I messaged him. I said, look, what about this next one? I, went, I know your lineup's full, but hear me out. How about I just play while people take the seats? Don't have background music on. Just have me. 
I'll just sing for 15 minutes while people are taking the seats. You're doing tickets at door, a little bit of music in background, keeping it country. You don't have a DJ on. Can't say no. You know, I could do that. And he was like, fine, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. You could do it. Years later, all about Luke tells me that Pete was like, this girl <laughs> will not leave me alone. Can we just give her the slot? <laughs> Luke was like, oh, fine. yes, fine, she can fine. play. Yeah. Well, thank God they did, because that was my in. Uh, I played the Gullivers, and then I met some people there who still come and support my shows now, even though it was all those years ago. And then I started applying stuff, and there was a new festival was coming out the following year called Buckle and Boots. And I was like, this is it. There's a festival full of this music now. I found my people. Like, yeah. I'm going to apply. Applied and got, like you said, the Sunday afternoon in the tent. Yeah. I severely hungover when I played it. <laughs> Standard. I wrote Never Learn about that weekend because <laughs> I was like, why am I hungover? So um, what year would that have been? 2016. So my first Buckle and Boots year was 2018. So yeah. it was a couple of years in then. Yeah. And it was already pretty established, actually. Yeah. Um, but again, it, what's crazy is that as far as festivals and, and a scene goes, if people aren't actively into that music, yeah. they would have no, no clue. idea. Yeah. No clue. No. And what's even more, more worrying, we, we kind of have to say the UK country scene because there's yeah. a huge demographic of people that love country music. Yeah. But I just genuinely think they're not aware that there's British artists making that music. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I had the opportunity to play with um, an American artist called William Michael Morgan, who's got a great following. We did a show down in London and there was a bunch of people that came to see Will and then I got up and sang and they really enjoyed my music and they'd come and meet me at the end and they'd say, we had no idea. We, yeah. We've come to see the American. Who are you? Yeah. And I was like, how... There's a whole vibe. There's yeah. a whole scene. There are loads of artists <laughs> out here. I think we're like, it's definitely grown. Um, so we've got more festivals, you know, I think that's the Long Road and C to C, National Meets London, yeah. the Blackpool Country Music well, C Festival. C to C, 25,000 people. Yeah. It's Madness. incredible. Madness. And then you, you see all these people and you think, do you know? There's, yeah. a, there's, there's UK artists making this music. Yeah. But I think with the support of, of people like Radio 2 and Absolute Radio Country, yeah. we are starting to get a, a bit of a bigger voice now, which yeah, is great. Definitely. definitely. And one thing I've seen recently, which I think we'll discuss in, in length at some point, um, the help of TikTok. So recently, <laughs> the Luke Combs song has blown up on TikTok. Yeah. I'm finding all these people like, oh... I, when you love country music, but nobody else does because you're in England, I am literally like, hello, hi, I'm here. <laughs> I've been posting things like, there's these festivals, there's these nights You've out, there's these You've been educating the people, it's I've been, been I said, think of me as your fairy country mother. <laughs> I'm here to tell you of all you can enjoy. <laughs> well, my favourite thing is when people will say, oh, what sort of music do you, do you play? I go country. Oh, I don't really like country. And then that's you written yeah. off. Where did we play? And someone went, what sort of music is it? I'm sure it was like the Honky Tonk Road show. Went, what sort of music do you guys play? And I went, oh, it's country. And they went, ding, 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 ding. And we're like, it, oh, the misconcept, incorrect. Wait, where's your horse? Where's your cowboy at? And you think, wow. And this is again why I, like, I love country. I am country. But I think with Americana and blues and, yeah. and rock, it's all pretty blended anyway. It is, yeah. it is it's kind of under the country it, umbrella. It's all under the country umbrella. And I just think when people say, oh, I don't like country, and they write you off as an artist, it really, yeah. really bores my blood. Because I think, yeah. get, why don't you just listen to a few of my songs yeah. and then make your mind up? Yeah. Don't just shut down a genre. Because yeah. again, we don't have fiddles and banjos on no. stage because that's not... That's not like our, our Smoky sound. Mountains yeah. heritage. That's not our sound. I think some of your stuff is so crossover that it could be played on any station. It's, it's well, not pop. 
yeah, but it's got, it's very got a place. Pop influence, so. It's got a place in mainstream yeah. music, for and like sure. When, I mean, there's definitely been a progression through like my music. I don't know if you feel the same when you look back at the stuff you started recording and what you're putting out now, where you can, I can feel I've found my sound now, yeah. and I'd say sort of from my. Probably from like by my side, that single in 2018 onward, that was me being like, this is my, I'm country pop. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm country pop and this is what I do and this is what I love and this is my sound and, and I've stuck to that and it's developed and grown and I, I am very at home with what I do. I know I'm on the border of pop, but I'm too country for pop music. I couldn't call myself a pop artist. I've still yeah. got the elements of country in there. And a lot of that comes down to the songwriting style. But like my Forget the Night EP was way more country and then my secrets album was more pop with kind of some country influence in it do you do you i'm asking you this as like personal interest as well do you find it like difficult to to feel like you have a a tick box of where you need to be and how you need to sound in Mm. order to be not only accepted but to like or say 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 your forget the night EP. You think, yeah. oh, you know, it's quite country. Am I going to disappoint people? Um, are they going to not like yeah. my direction? And you feel like you're almost having to cater for people when actually that I, I personally find that quite stifling sometimes. Yeah. I did find that, especially as I started moving away from the forget the night sound and going a little bit more pop country. But like I say now, I think especially with like my latest EP, I'm so proud of that EP and the sound, and it is exactly what I like to listen to as well. Like I, I played it because there's so much in there that goes into, you don't just record your music, put it out, you're doing your research, you're seeing how would it fit within a playlist with this artist and that artist? Does it, am yeah. I hitting what I'm trying to hit? Um, and I'm <clears> so comfortable and happy with it now, but I did when I was first trying to get into the more country pop sound, think, oh, I might lose some fans now because they really like the country sound. But in the end, I just became content with the fact that I might lose some, but I might gain some more yeah. in the more country pop. And, and, and I have to be proud of what I'm putting out and enjoy what I'm putting out. Because if you're just recording for the sake of the listener only, obviously to a degree we do that. But if I only think, or oh, the listener wants me to be country, I'm not going to like the music. Yeah, it becomes so I'm not recording proud. by numbers, doesn't yeah. it? You, I think yeah. you have to, at the end of everything, when you put a song out, there's always a fear that it's going to absolutely flop or people won't stream it, people won't like it. But you have to know that you yourself liked that song that you yeah. put out and if you don't then you need to reassess what you it's, have to love you know, to use it yourself it is something i massively struggle with yeah because i think i actually envy you 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 do have a real sp- specific thing going on and you're right your last ep is in my opinion again i'm your friend but just from a fellow musician one of the greatest bodies of work it's fluid there's Thank a sound you. it it fits it's and it's it's unapologetically you do you know what I mean it's like and and I've had the pleasure of seeing that show live quite a few times it's high energy and even when you bring it down for drink this wine like your voice just shines through it thank you um and I I worry sometimes that I I'm so here there and everywhere like I might do a big rocky bluesy number lots of heavy guitars lots of big vocals and then I also then want to bring it down and sing quite a folky song yeah. which is more like folky Americana with just me and a 12 string yeah um and I struggled with that for a long time because I thought those two people that listen to those two styles of music will not come to the same gig mm. and actually they will yeah because they like the music and you as an artist yeah, and it took and, me a long time yeah. to realize that and I do think some of my music was writing for what I thought people wanted to hear yeah um 
And there's certain songs that I will not sing live. I obviously won't name anything, but it's because it doesn't feel me. It doesn't yeah. feel like something I would, I wanted to do at the time. It was like, oh, yeah. I need to tick this box. Um, and once I realised that with my, I did my first ever headline tour last year. Um, it went really well. I, I, the feedback was great. And we did, we had every emotion in that show. There was yeah. big, massive but songs. I was lucky enough to catch a, a couple of those shows. And it, it was a great show. And like you say, it was, a, it was a ride. You really brought it down for those emotional moments. And then you had the kind of foot stomping, hand yeah. clapping. And I just think I realised and... I can put my music out, yeah. whatever that is. Yeah. And I think if people... Or a, or a Kezia Gill fan and they enjoy that, then they'll just come along. And it's nice to have a minute where it's just me and the guitar. Mm-hmm. It's also nice to have a shredding solo. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I'm fortunate to have some amazing players join me on stage. And I love nothing more than throwing a guitar solo yeah. and throw a big drum solo in there. Yeah. But then also have a moment where I say, right, guys, go take a break. Yeah. I'm going to take it back to songwriting here. And and now as a genre, yes, country is one of them, but I just think I like to just be Kezia. Yeah. That is my and that's genre. It. I think like <laughs> as you get older, you just kind of see where you fit and where you come from. And it's the same like you were saying then, like you have the moments shredded and stuff. So I for so long insisted on always playing my guitar because I thought, well, if people don't see that I play, they might think she can't play an instrument and that'll devalue what I do. People will go, oh, well, she sings, but she doesn't play an instrument. She should play an instrument. Yeah. And I was so paranoid and I used to insist on having my guitar all the time until about two years ago. And I just thought, you know what? I feel more comfortable not playing because I'm not a great guitarist. I play enough to write and accompany myself, but I'm not out here trying to take a session gig. Do you know what I mean? I'm not yeah. a guitarist. I just accompany myself. Um, and I feel like I'm a better performer without the guitar on. I like to dance and move about the stage. I like it's to just so high energy, way. like a guitar yeah. roots you to the spot. You know, unless it, you've got I don't want wireless that. cables and all that yeah. kind of thing going on. Um, and once I became comfortable with that and thought, you know what, I'll play it as and when. So there are some like I've got an electric guitar on. I might just play in a couple of songs and like, like you say, it's fun to like have a bit of a play with the yeah. other musicians. Um, or I might stick on an acoustic and just bring it down for one song. But learning, like, I don't have to like you say write a certain way or no. play a certain instrument there was one that, I mean when I was younger and I'd just started playing I was obsessed I had ukuleles <laughs> pianos mandolin guitar like every instrument and I'd try to play same. them all in one gig yeah. like look how I'm a multi-instrumentalist look at all the things I can do I was like you know what just be great at one thing <laughs> Rather than Listen, mediocre I probably, at several. I probably need to take your advice because I, I love guitar. Yeah, but you're a great guitar player. <laughs> but it's like I, I have a few different Let's never guitars. forget Tennessee Fields. <laughs> Always have one ready. Always have a guitar and a black T-shirt ready. <laughs> it, do you know, again, that's just a, a testament to your music because I'm such a fan anyway. <laughs> and when you're doing a gig and you book your session plays, you book your band, everyone mm. has to learn the music yeah. um, and everyone has to be ready. And you don't always get a chance to rehearse together, do yeah. you? So everyone has to kind of turn up knowing the set. Yeah. And um, we were both at a festival. I was I was playing the festival and we were doing the Honky Tonk Roadshow on the Friday. Yeah. But you didn't actually have a, a slot, did you? No, I was just doing Honky Tonk and then I was watching you play on the Saturday. And then due to illness... Um, one of the artists had to drop out mm-hmm. the lineup, and with Jade being there, the organisers were like, "Look, can you jump in last minute?" Luckily, there was a few players within you had a the vicinity <laughs> that could get there, but she <laughs> he needed uh, backing vocals and acoustic guitar. Yeah. And as I said, I could have managed, like you say, without it. I could have said, "Kez, can I borrow your guitar and play it for myself?" But I knew the better show would be me not playing the guitar. So I was, I was like, like, "What like, do I do? This can is we get my time to shine." <laughs> 
was like, this is the moment I've been waiting for. And I just kind of casually went, oh yeah, I know you songs. I, I, I know the harmonies. I, 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 you know, I, I can play. And she was like, oh no, I couldn't ask you to do that. Like you're actually playing the festival. I went, no, no, it'd be my pleasure. And then the, the bit that sealed the deal, I've got a black t-shirt. <laughs> I was like, I couldn't disrespect you like that and put you on BVs, no. And she was like, I, I want to do it. I've got a black T-shirt. I'll put that on. I'll put my plaits in. I'll just be in background. I'll, I'll enjoy it. I was like, are you sure? We had a this great is okay. We had a great... And I'll tell you, Summer, that was one of my favourite gigs. It were pulled together last minute. You literally had a night, didn't you, uh, yeah. to get it all together. And luckily, Luke always has a go at me for overpacking. But luckily, I had an entire an stage outfit. I was like, <laughs> great outfit. Know. I had my pink knee boots, a little two-piece. Luke was like, how is that just packed? So I'm like, you just never know. I like options for every possible gig never know i just think honestly it was genuinely one of like the the biggest privileges because yeah. it, it no honestly and people always expect us to like not get on because we're two yeah. women in the same genre the same wrong. industry couldn't be more wrong it's like i've got you yeah. what bvs do you need <laughs> it was like on the girls night in the round tour we were like the bookends of the thing constantly just looking over at each other and same with jess and demi as well like the fact like yes we love each other's music but we're such good friends but then the minute one of us starts singing we're back into fan mode just looking yeah. at each other like oh, i can harmonize like, that was so fun to be like i can actually harmonize it with you rather than being at the back of the room or having you on spotify and just in my kitchen singing along. absolutely and i just and i think that is again i suppose like with finding your niche as you get older in music and everything i think you find it with your friendship group as well yeah i think if you've got people that you're still friends with from school you're very lucky because yeah. actually, think how so much I got a big you have school. I don't know why you group. keep up with your WhatsApp groups. Listen, it's a job in itself. I know it is, but uh, yeah, no, I, I am very lucky. I've got friends like from literally like been three years old, been primary school. I'd say all my friends are either from music or people that I've met on my musical journey. Yeah. Um, and I actually love it that way because we, we always joke, don't we? That Because I have the great honour of being your bridesmaid Yay. at your upcoming wedding. But we always joke about if a gig comes in. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I can't make I it. I was like, listen, I want you to be a bridesmaid, but also I understand big gig comes in, like, no obligation. <laughs> Whereas in, I think people outside of music don't appreciate that you might have to cancel yeah. or you can't make solid plans. You have to yeah. keep dates free. And we all know that the opportunity could come at any moment. That's it. Yeah. And I think because we're both in the industry, we're like, look, we get it. We get it. We get it. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm going to have a swig of this jam shed. Is it just staring at me? Come and help me drink this wine. <laughs> hey. hey. Cheers. Cheers, love. That's a nice little thing, wasn't it? So we hope that... Um, our rambling has given you a bit of an idea of a who we are mm -hmm. um a bit of our journey so far and we're just we're, over the next few weeks we're just going to share some stories yep. some insights into the industry because there's, there's a lot goes on yeah a bit of behind the scenes and like I say sharing stories from us coming up things that you kind of maybe never get to hear because we're not going to stand on stage and be like Boy. when i was 13 <laughs> the teachers wondered why my hair stunk a smoke on a monday but because i was playing club on a sunday afternoon do you know what <laughs> i think sometimes it's nice to have a trip down memory lane yeah, because definitely. you actually realize how far you've come yeah and i'm sure if you'd have told you know 17 year old jade and kezia that they'd one day be doing a podcast talking about their successful careers <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's you know success is is only gauged in the eye of the beholder definitely and i always used to think oh success is selling out wembley arena mm. it's getting a, a gold platinum record deal but actually yeah. success for me is 
singing my songs to people that want to hear them. Yeah. So on that level, we're, we're both successful. Oh, I'm going to cheers you again to that. Cheers to that. <laughs> Listen, we need to take it easy because we forgot to pack lunch, but we didn't forget the bottle of jam. So <laughs> let's see how this goes. <laughs> well, like I said, lots more rambling to come. Uh, stay tuned. Also, we love to hear what you're thinking. Uh, we love to hear if you've got any questions or any comments. Um, or if you're a musician out there and you can absolutely relate to what yeah. we are talking about. If you've got some stories about. to share or things you think would be fun to discuss, then do let us know. Absolutely. And yeah, so we'll leave you with this question. You. You're an oasis. <laughs> <laughs>